Hey, what's up, Stay Tuners? It's your good friend Jimbo here, letting you know that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and let them know that you heard it from Stay Tuned Sports and you start earning today. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Now here's the best Stay Tuned Sports Podcast. And hello there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. It's your good friend Jimbo here, again. A little bit more somber than I was uh, last week after Notre Dame's win over Clemson. Obviously, my Philadelphia Eagles have lost to the New York Giants. 27-17. Meaning the King James belt has officially gone back to our good friend King. It's only the second time since we uh, started this whole King James rivalry. It's gone back to him since 2013, I think, is when we started this whole thing. But uh, lots to talk about today. Uh, before we go into the topics, head over to staytunesports.net to follow all all our social media accounts there, our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube, and our new merchandise store is hooked up to the website as well. Now all you gotta do is click the menu button, it'll say merchandise right there, and there's a link um, to click to go over. Right now we've got a hoodie and a a, uh, Stay Tuned Sports Truck Series T-shirt. Speaking of which, make sure you head over um, over to our Twitter account there and click the link to vote for Josh Sobel for the All-Star Race, which is this Friday. Um, I think it's like five racers get voted in by the fans, so make sure you click him to... to uh, sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. Um, so he can race this Friday night at 9.30, I believe they, they do it on YouTube. So... Kicking off the show, talk a little bit about Michigan college football here. Jim Harbaugh, what happened to him? Um, I know it's been talked about the past few weeks. You know, he's going on six years now in Michigan and hasn't really shown anything big that he has done. Um, can't beat Ohio State. That ground, you know, Penn State isn't. Well, it was just flat out terrible this year. Um, it, the expectations going into him being hired at, at Michigan was he was going to bring a championship to to that college and has not done it so uh, just yet. And after this past weekend's loss to Wisconsin, um, they lost forty nine to eleven. You know, at what point do you say? This is Harbaugh. You know, it's it's not the players, even though they're not playing that well either. It's, but the, it's not like the NFL where you could just cut them or trade them away to try to upgrade your your team. 
And how many times are you going to allow this to keep happening and him stand up there in front of the press conference and saying, this is my fault? You know, I don't know if you guys seen um, before the game started this past Saturday, maybe it was halftime of the Notre Dame game I saw. They were, uh, the, the pregame show guys were talking to Urban Meyer about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and came out and said he doesn't like it when he hears coaches blame players. Now, he also, he kind of defended both sides here. He, he defended, you know, there's no such thing as bad players, just bad preparation or, you know, bad coaching. But also on the flip side, there's no such thing as bad coaches. They just don't mesh. You know, maybe Jim Harbaugh's system just doesn't mesh with the players that are at Michigan right now. And my opinion, that falls, you know, even though Overmeyer says, you know, he feels like there's, this might not be Harbaugh's fault, but in a way, I think it is because he's the one doing the recruiting. <clears throat> so he knows the type of players or the style he's, he's going to um, run this offense he knows what players to to look for. You know, you could be the top-ranked five-star recruit overall, you know, in the nation, but you're not going to get the most talent out of that, the, the most production out of that person if he doesn't fit your system. He, he'll, you know, that person will give you some production, but not the production that you may be expecting out of that person. But it's just amazing how, when he was at Stanford, how he built that that program up, went to the Niners for a couple years, made it to the Super Bowl, and now he's back in Michigan and is not even average. You know, they won their first game of the season, but haven't won since then. And... Another thing with this this game this past week, to me, this stat that I'm about to tell you shows I don't think that the players are buying into what Jim Harbaugh is selling. This past weekend made Michigan the first Big Ten team in the past 15 seasons, 15, to not register a sack or a takeaway in five consecutive halves. That's insane. Five halves. That's two and a half games. You cannot get a sack or a fumble or an interception in two and a half games. I don't see Harbaugh lasting this season. I, and, and quite honestly, I, I think if he loses this week, they may not even allow him to load up, you know, get on the bus. They may fire him right then and there. You're not winning anything this year. You've even though NCAA came out and said there's not going to be any win requir uh, requirements to be bowl eligible, a one-win team is not going to a bowl game. And like, like I said, just amazing how good of a coach he was with Stanford and, and San Fran and just mind-boggling what happened to this guy.
that he's just so terrible and can't coach. You know, he came out, oh, we got to get back to the basics. I understand there was no spring training or spring games, however you want to call it, because of COVID. But you were four or five games into the season, because, you know, let's not forget they came back late. By this point, your team should have been gelling by now, and they're just, just not doing it. I mean, great. Okay, yes. You know, Wisconsin was ranked number 13. So Wisconsin's no pushover, but put up more than 11 points. 49 to 11? I mean, come on. But yeah, I, I just don't see Harbaugh lasting this season. I think one more loss, whether even if he wins this game, one more loss, I think they'll, they'll cut ties. Six years is good enough if you haven't shown anything yet. Hall of Fame ballot for baseball was released this week and heading it obviously Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds back on it for one more time because this is their ninth year of potential 10 years of being eligible and every year we go through this debate should they be allowed? They're the steroid area era um, Kurt Schilling I'm sorry, Roger Clemens kept saying you know, he's never used it. Barry Bonds said he never knowingly used it. Last year, Kurt Schilling um, almost made it. He, he finished with 70% of the votes. He was 20 votes shy of making it. He needs 75% of the votes to make it into the Hall of Fame. Here's the thing. Were they cheating? Even if, even if they are lying right now and said that you know we didn't take steroids <clears throat> I'm paying a hundred dollars a ticket I want to see all the home runs I want to see 105 mile an hour fastballs and if you gotta take steroids to get that so be it I want to be entertained that's why everybody likes to go to the home run derby at the all-star break they like to see home runs And I bet you, if you ask a lot of the um, the fans, just in general, should these guys be in the Hall of Fame, even though they took steroids, possibly? I bet you, anyway, they would get the seventy-five percent votes from the fans. But being it's sports writers, and they want to be all, you know, it's bad for the game to put these guys into the Hall of Fame thing. I think these guys wait long enough. Just like Pete Rose. Pete Rose has waited long enough and needs to be reinstated into baseball so he could be put in a Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling, I mean, th these guys were all dominant players even before the steroid era. You think about Barry Bonds when, when he was with the Pirates. He was still a good uh, home run hitter. Kurt Schilling with the Phillies for all those years was very good. Then with Boston, that's when the steroid area era kicked in. Roger Clemens, when he was with the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, very dominant players, and they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I've always said, you know, steroid just makes you bigger and stronger. But when it comes to a batter, being a, a baseball batter, you still got to have good eye-hand coordination. You still got to see that ball hit that bat. 
you know, and, and if you if you watch any tape, you know, Chris Davis from the Orioles got popped a few years ago. If you watch any of his tape now and you slow it down right before, well, when he does hit the ball or when he does just swing the bat in general, he's not watching that ball hit the bat. His eyes are off somewhere and that's why he's striking out so much. If you watch Barry Bonds, he's watching that ball come right down up the, the pipe and watch it hits the bat. Now, how does the steroids affect pitchers? I mean, obviously, okay. You know, they could throw faster. They're, they're more... Maybe I don't even think it could help them with control. You know, yeah, it could help them throw the 105 mile an hour fast ball, but got to be able to control it. So there's still techniques in there that the steroids doesn't have any effect on it. And that's why, you know, I, I've been saying for... I'd say about two, three years now. Because, I mean, in the beginning when when it all started coming out about the steroids and stuff like that, yes, I was one of those people that were like, no, they don't deserve to be in there. Keep them out. But enough time has passed. I think it's time for them to be able to, to go into the Hall of Fame. Now, some of the other players that are reappearing or are being added um, to the list... Uh, pitchers Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, and A.J. Burnett, and outfielder Tory Hunter are the top newcomers. Now, out of those, I mean, Barry Zito and Tim Hudson were good pitchers. They weren't dominant. I don't think they're going to get a lot of votes. They may potentially be like a 50 or 60% um, of the votes. Tory Hunter, I would expect more votes for him than some of these pitchers that are on there, like, you know, Barry Zito and Tim Hudson. But one person that is back on it that I'm surprised didn't make it last year, Andy Pettit. Really think Andy Pettit deserves to be in a Hall of Fame. Um, yes, he's no Pedro Martinez or, you know, Kurt Schilling. I would take Kurt Schilling over Andy Pettit, but he was still a very, very good pitcher for the Yankees. And that's coming from an Orioles fan, a person that does not like the Yankees. I think he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully this year, he'll get enough votes to be inducted. Some of the other ones, uh, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Jeff Kent, Scott Rowland, Bobby Abreu, Andrew Jones, Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, and Sammy Sosa. Now, let's not forget Sammy, I think, was out of all of them, was the lowest voted percentage-wise. But he had multiple um, situations throughout his career. You know, he he, he had the steroid incident. Um, he also had the cork bat, if we all remember that. Hit a ball, split the bat open, there was, there was the cork. So that is totally different than steroids to me. I don't think Sammy's going to make it. Um, like I said, I would like to see Andy Pettit make it. Even Manny Ramirez, I, I wouldn't mind seeing in there too. Don't know if he's going to get enough of the votes as well. But definitely, my picks here 
to go in. Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Andy Pettit, uh, and even AJ Burnett. I, you know, he was he was a very good pitcher for the Marlins before he retired. So before we jump to my lovely Philadelphia Eagles, bare knuckle boxing was this past weekend. Um, I started live tweeting it a little bit and then uh, kind of got a little too drunk because <laughs> me and the wife uh, decided to do drinking games and for every knockout we take a shot. No, for every knockout the loser had to take a shot. Well, quite obvious, I did not do that well. Um, but from, you know, I do remember a lot of the fights and it was very, very good pay-per-view very entertaining um there was one that it, it worries me now with bare knuckle and I, I hope this isn't a trend but the jake bostwick and tyler vogel um fight now they do you know for you guys out there that haven't watched bare knuckle yet bare knuckle boxing they do five rounds two minutes each this one went to a sudden death sixth round, which means it was a majority draw at the end of the fifth round. It just seemed like when, when if, if they would came out in the beginning of the night or before the fights and said, you know, here's what could potentially happen if there's a majority draw, because we don't, you know, we don't want to see draws. But it seemed like the way it came across was. This was like agreed upon right at that time to go to a sixth round. And to me, that kind of hurts, I, I believe, BKFC. Because now you're going to start coming around feeling like you're gimmicky or you're WWE. These fights are, are set up. You know, we already know who the winners are, or who the losers are. And I, I couldn't stop running that through my head. But on the flip side, though, I mean, these guys aren't just going to let their face get pummeled in, bloody cut, you know, for 10 grand. Because most of these guys are only going to fight maybe twice a year. So they still got to work full-time jobs, most likely. And, and for example, the, uh, another fight had the fastest knockout in BKF's uh, history, maybe in boxing or MMA history as well, Uli Diaz knocked out Benedito, you need Donnelly Benedito, in two seconds. Now the official card said three seconds, but that dude hit the ground at two seconds. It was two punches, and it was a dead body. <laughs> Um, it was very impressive. Got excited, jumped over the, the ropes, you know, and good for him. I mean, I literally took a drink, put my beer down, and looked over. I was like, what happened? Because my wife was going nuts. But the, the main car or the, the main event was Luis Palomino versus Jim Ellers for the Super Welterweight Championship. Um, I was actually surprised how this fight ended I thought I thought Ehlers would have had a better chin but Palomino just picked him apart Ehlers came out 
you know, swinging fast and a lot, just like all of his other fights. Um, but eventually, Palomino was able to get a couple in on him and knock him down twice, making the ref stop the fight. Luis Palomino is a super welterweight champion of BKFC. And I believe the next pay-per-view is in December. So when that one gets a little closer, maybe I'll do my picks there. And we'll do some live tweeting or maybe I'll do a live episode for that one. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so my, my lovely Philadelphia Eagles. Man, what a train wreck. Lost to the New York Giants 27-17. Um, there was nothing about this game on the Eagles side that was entertaining other than the running game. Miles Sanders, I mean, he seemed like he was the only one that showed up to play. He was running off six, seven yards of carry. Now, I don't know why Doug didn't try to go a little bit more or maybe try to do some play action or something, but he kept Carson in, inside the pocket. We all know Carson isn't that good inside the pocket. And the few plays that he did get him outside the pocket, he had 30, 40 yards. Then brings Jalen Hurts in. This whole Jalen Hurts experiment needs to stop. And I think it was Ike Reese I was listening to after um, after the game, the, the post-game show. He made a good point. Listen, if you defenses know when you're bringing Jalen Hurts in you're going to do a read option play and he's not going to pass. He has two passes on the season. One for an interception and one for a completion for like five yards. So defenses are not scared of Jalen Hurts. And for all the Eagles fans that are still clamoring for him to start over wins. Do you really think this team will be that much better to have him as a starting quarterback when the defense is no he's not going to do anything other than run and why are we wasting a position when we do bring Jalen Hurts in here into the lineup we spread Wentz out as a wide receiver why not bring one of our wide receivers in give the defense something to think about you're not fooling anybody Doug gotta switch it up defensively the same play that Daniel Jones ran 75 yards almost for a touchdown last time ran the other side for 35 yards and this time was a touchdown which was funny because just a couple plays earlier I was wondering where's Josh Sweat lately you know he started off the season so well with you know sacks and pressure uh, pressures and he was actually the one that blew the coverage to the Jones run. Goldman was running all over us. You know, I said about Jim Harbaugh have to be fired. Why isn't Swartz? He was quoted before the game of saying, we know they're going to run that play. We have to be ready. Well, they weren't ready. So that tells me they're not buying into what you're selling, Jim. He needs to go. And if we wait till the offseason to let go Jim Swartz, we are not making a playoffs. I will say right now, I could see the Redskins winning this division, even with us. What, a game, game and a half? 
upon them. Now we're this week we have uh who's it like Seattle or something? Oh, the Browns. We have the Browns. Next five games are going to be tough. They're against above 500 teams. The Browns, I, I think, are equally to a, a 500 team. I mean, they, the, the record shows they're above average team, but I don't know if they're they're that yet. But we have Seattle, we have Green Bay, we have the Saints. Not looking good, and we we just squandered a game against the Giants away. Now Daniel Jones played very well on top of that um, that touchdown run he had. Didn't turn the ball, the ball over at all. The running game was really good. Wide receivers caught the ball, unlike the the last time we played them with Evan, uh, Evan Ingram. But this this team, you know, by this point, I thought they would have Ben Jelen and then Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, that that's the other thing too, Alshon Jeffrey. Oh, he, you know, he's coming off the, he's, you know, starting his first time this year, 15 snaps, one catch. So what was the point of having him suit up and taking a, a spot away from, you know, Quiz Watkins or even though JJ hasn't done anything since he, he's been in the league, maybe he could have done more than Alshon. You know, I, I just can't figure out why this team is not gelling and why Doug just can't see the the mistakes he's making as a play caller he keeps doing the same plays now I watched his his, um, press conference on Monday and he was kind of um, kind of a dick in a way when a couple of the reporters said you know you stuck with the run game oh well thanks 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 for the compliment no, dude, we've been telling you what you've been doing wrong. You look at 2017 when we won the Super Bowl compared to now, and you're a stats guy. Even look at this. When you pass more than 30 times a game with Wentz, you're not going to win. Very rare. When you have more runs than what you do now, you're going to control the time. Your defense isn't going to get tired. And it's going to calm Wentz down. Right now, he feels, I bet any money he feels like he's got to make all the plays because you're saying, all right, we got 70 plays we're going to call this this game. Can make you call 50 of the plays. Wentz is a good quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. I just think Doug needs to hand over the play calling abilities, duties to Deuce. Or at the end of the year, Jeffrey Lurie is going to let go, let Peterson and the coaching staff go. So, hopefully, we see some type of positive. We just got to see a small positive come out of this Browns game and build off of that because by this point, we should have been gelling. We're not. And I really don't want us to go to playoffs if this is how we're going to look. You're talking about a 10 to 15 spot difference in the draft order by making the playoffs playing like this so before we go we are going to do our weekly blue picks Fourth and five. 
Jones steps up, takes off, he's in, touchdown! Third down and three. Jackson has all day, looking deep for Hollywood Brown again, he's got it! Brown off to the races, and he stays on his feet! Touchdown! And here is your Blue Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Skunk Duck Studios, the best ducking designs on the web. So yeah, so even though King won the King James belt, make sure you head over to that, uh, Skunk Duck Studios, all his tea, uh, Teespring t-shirts, all the different type things he has over there. Pretty cool stuff. So our blue picks, like we do every week. Last week, I, th- I think I did pretty decent. I think I did two out of three and almost nailed the, the third, which was the first time I think all year I did something good. So blue picks are our blowout picks. Team has to win by nine points or more. The lock is no ifs, ands, or buts. This team is going to win. And the upset is an underdog that is an underdog by five and a, uh, five and a half points or more, uh, or more and win by... Uh, against a, a favored team so my first one for blowout pick is the chargers over the jets i mean do i really have to say anymore yes the chargers may not play that well of a defense but when the jets are only getting 13 points a game pretty sure the chargers offense are going to blow them out of the water here my lock pick is going to be a chiefs over the raiders now this should be a good game um, Raiders are a lot better than they've been in the past couple years. Seems like Gruden has finally gotten that team together. Even though right before we came on, nine of the 11 defensive players are put on the COVID list because of uh, close contact to one of the players that were put on the COVID list. Now, Ian Rappaport did say that most of them will be eligible to come off Saturday as long as they keep t- uh, testing negative and the rest will be able to come off Sunday as long as they keep testing negative. I'll say this, if they don't come off that list, this is not going to be a fun game for the Raiders. Um, Chiefs are just, I think they're going to be mo- more motivated this time because of the first loss they had earlier this season. Um... I didn't know about this, and I'm surprised I didn't see this when it happened, but supposedly uh, John Gruden and the Raiders took a victory lap around the stadium right after their win against the Chiefs. Coach Reed came across that he did not like it, but let it go. And uh, so I think the, the Chiefs are a lot more motivated to beat the Raiders this weekend. And finally, my upset pick. Tennessee over Baltimore. Tennessee is a six and a half point underdog. Baltimore's offense struggling. Lamar Jackson just seems like now, especially after last week, is trying to force the ball to Hollywood Brown a week after his comments were made on Twitter about you know not being involved in the offense. Listen, unfortunately, being a speedster, can't force it. You just got get open somehow you can't just you know run deep you gotta do double moves you gotta figure out different ways to to get open because if you only do one thing teams are gonna latch onto that and shut you down Tennessee 
last four games are one and three after their five and zero start, so they're looking to get back on the winning streak. And two of the three losses, though, were close. Um, the first loss they got, they lost by two points, and then the second loss they lost by ten. So two scores. I mean, they're right there to get back on it. So I think they're gonna upset the Ravens to win the game and make me go three and three with my blue picks for the first time this year hopefully <laughs> I highly doubt it though so I think that's gonna be it for us guys um, head over to staytunesports.net our social media links are on the right hand side there click the menu click the merch tab takes you right to our, our t-shirt store jacket store whatever you want to call it make sure you when you do head over to twitter you go vote for josh uh, sobel for the truck series uh all-star race so that way he could sport the state tune sports iRace truck so till next week this is your good friend jimbo signing out